Hey podcast audience, it's producer Charlie, just hitting you with a quick content warning. This episode's going to be featuring mentions of abuse, assault and physical abuse, and quite a bit of dark humor. We love you so much, thank you always for listening, and without further ado, here we go. Hello and welcome to the first episode of season two of Your Mom's Podcast, the only podcast that's worth walking out on a date with one of Degrassi's coolest girls. I'm Caroline. And I'm Avis. And today we are talking about Degrassi The Next Generation, Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2, both parts of When Doves Cry. Roses are red. Violets are purple like Craig's bruises. Albert Manning is trash, so his son he abuses. Um, It felt a little weird writing a poem about this one. I don't know how many quippy poems I'll have for Season 2 as things get darker. But before we get into the plot, do you want to talk a little bit about the new title sequence? Uh, yeah. So, it I mean, it's pretty much the same except for the introduction of Reg and Joey Yeah. at the end there, um, which I think is a cute tack on it. I think it makes it like an extra five seconds, something like that. But it's just Joey posing with the boys basketball team which eventually i think it's, it's like the a hockey team oh right it is the hockey team but because it, it's the floor hockey, hockey it's floor jerseys. hockey yes it's floor hockey so he it's about like it's basically him holding up the hockey jersey with his used car lot being advertised jeremiah on motors, the back yeah. yeah jeremiah motors on the back and then craig's taking a picture of it which is craig's motif he's he's just always snapping that nikon so yeah <laughs> it's a good intro to their team, i love their i feel like the writers had some weird bias against like used car salesmen because mm-hmm. i feel like every opportunity they have to be like look how cheesy joey is they're like yeah, hey they look definitely. how cheesy joey is yes absolutely all right at least the theme song's still the same i think this is Thank i personally goodness. think this is the best theme song it is and honestly the intro i love the it going around the school intro we still get it for a while so won't get too deep into it but it does change spoiler alert <laughs> i think it's less good it does get less good all right so the plot for when doves cry part one and two school is back in session and degrassi high has been shut down which means that degrassi community school is now home to grades 7 through 12 jimmy's still being a dick to sean Paige and her crew are icing ashley out and new kid in town craig manning has all the girls whispering in the hallways but craig's brooding sad boy mystique is more than just a fashion statement he's actually dealing with some pretty horrifying abuse at home this combined with grieving his dead mother and longing for the family he could have had with her his stepfather joey jeremiah and sister angie is all getting to be too much and craig is on the verge of doing something drastic also in this episode Paige has horrible hair now she could just like run a comb through it and look in the mirror while she's styling it but instead she goes on a date with jt so that hazel and spinner will pay her the 30 dollars that she needs to go to the salon yeah i feel like i definitely that was my whole thought throughout Paige's entire little issues just like wash your hair and then comb it right um, and like because it doesn't it look was, very moisturized i know the products that we were working with at this time we're, you know, not as luxurious as we are working with in 2023, but yeah, there's, she needed some product and she needed a comb <laughs> and right. a brush. So it just needed right. to be smoothed out. Paige was looking hella frizzy. 
Well, and they were just like, it looked like they were going out of their way to make it look bad. Because she has it like pinned mm-hmm. back on both sides and like kind of pushed up a little bit, which is a cute style. It is cute. Except the way that she's doing it is very poorly done. Mm-hmm. It's like they're trying to create volume like in a negative way where there is no volume in her right hair. so it definitely comes off look it's kind it kind of gave me how they fluffed out emma watson's hair in the first two harry potters mm-hmm. it gave me those kind of vibes just less dramatic it's just yeah. like did you guys just like <laughs> comb the shit in the wrong direction out of this girl's hair <laughs> but yeah it's that it's, de- it's, it's bad it's bad but and too dramatic <laughs> she could just grab a comb but instead she's gonna go out on a date with jt which i have to say and i had forgotten i actually really love their relationship yes i think it's i think it's adorable it's I kind of it's very it's, sweet yes it's part of i think you know one of my notes was just that this is part of Paige's redemption arc because they spend the next couple of episodes or at least this episode they give her a little bit of vulnerability and they mm-hmm. show us that does respond to peer pressure and she is very heavily motivated by what her friends think of her so the fact that she is having a legitimately good time on this date with jt and then hazel and spinner pop up and are the biggest douchebags i think i've ever seen they're them such dicks in this they episode. are shitty and smarmy i hate i hate i hate a smarmy it's just not a good look but you know that little peak of her actually enjoying herself and being genuine i think is just i'm like yes Paige. thank mm-hmm. you for you know thank you writers for realizing that she could be a character that ha- is dynamic and not just the, the mean girl because right. usually the mean girl is is heavily insecure and <laughs> has got a lot of issues so I love that they gave her that chance to get that redemption arc on the road pretty much yeah no I agree Craig's dad is fucking terrifying so I actually had to look up the actor's name because I was just like Hugh Dillon and not producer Dillon his last name is Dillon he is terrifying in this role and I dislike him so much which means he is the great he is a really great actor the the way that he was hitting Craig with the book and just the intensity of that scene Mm -hmm. gets me every time like those scenes are extremely tense the way that they're filmed is so candid and there's there's no music behind it except for like tense beats of Mm. instrumentation so I really think that those are strong and really realistic depictions of abuse even better than the 80s series which I don't say that often but the 80s series did it and next generation did it better not to like jump ahead to the end of the episode but when Craig is getting his shit to go move in with Joey Mm -hmm. and like his dad's like you know, I love you. Let's talk this out and whatever. And then Craig's and don't leave me like your mother. Don't be like your mother. Right. And he's like, you know, I can go to child services. I can go stay with Joey while we work this out Mm -hmm. or I can stay here and let you beat me. And his dad's like, I don't beat you. And it's Mm, like, yeah, on some level, like, I think he genuinely believes that, which I think is a kind of common thing with abusers. And Mm -hmm. I think that they portray it really well. They do. I also think Jake Epstein's acting is terrific in this episode. Like, what an introduction as a kid, Mm -hmm. like, for his character. Like, I really think that just the fact that aside from him taking pictures of Angie, the first real dialogue we get from his character is in a extremely verbally abusive situation and I mean you know there's physical threat but he doesn't get hit 
in it's just a really powerful and I really think it's like a, a jarring introduction to his character but it's like it gives you everything you need to know about what he's what he's going well for. right we've got him getting abused We've got mm -hmm. him contemplating kidnapping his sister and running away. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got him hiding in the trees, taking pictures and like going into his dark room and just like longing for this family. We've got him and doing some impressive like pre Photoshop, like some Photoshop shit with film, which is yeah. like, <laughs> I guess in the developing process, he, he's yeah. We've got him <laughs> almost killing himself. Right. You yeah. know, it's just like, there's so much that this kid is going through. I honestly, Think in that, one like, episode well in a two-parter which i really just consider one long episode it's just really this is, is so. this episode is why i am a craig apologist and i always will be because I right out the gate we're just like this poor kid goes through it every day like every there's day. really even if he's got a day where his dad doesn't beat his ass there's still intimidation there's still emotional manipulation and right. there's still the looming threat of abuse right and, and having it's, to it's like so navigate Mm -hmm. Which dad am I dealing with in this it's moment? It's eggshells. Oh, it's extremely, and I feel like it's relatable. Mm -hmm. Like it's ex like the the fact that they show the varying forms of of what it can take because he's not getting his ass beat all the time, but there are triggers to his father, and he's not always sure what they are. Well, I, mean, I think to me, one of the most insidious things about an abusive relationship, and I mean parent-child, romantic partner, fucking friends, physical abuse, emotional abuse, whatever you're dealing with, is that like not every second is bad. And some yeah. seconds are good. Because it has mm -hmm. to be that way. Because if it was just always bad, you right. would leave. You would recognize that this is just so bad. I got yeah. <laughs> And so it sucks because you finally get away from it. But there are still these things where you're like, oh, but remember that time we did such and such and it was so wonderful. And you like, you have to grieve the good parts and it's it's really hard. And you, you definitely see that. I don't think, yeah. and I mean, that's why I really appreciate this portrayal is because it's not one-sided. It's not, or not one-sided, it's not one note. Like there's multiple angles you can look at it from, you know, even you know, going into Craig's father, being a, a surgeon and feeling like, okay, I'm successful, I've made it. And then having your wife leave you for someone, you know, God, that status that symbol thing yeah. that you think less of that status symbol shit is apparently i i don't know i'm not a guy apparently really important to some guys so especially around this time i feel like corporate america was just a lot more mm. it was just a lot different of a vibe but having all of that stress you know craig apologizes for him a lot because it is understandable that he is a stressed out person but a lot of the ways that he deals with it is it's because he doesn't have any emotional maturity and right, right. <laughs> like, he has no way like he he literally the the one uh, part in this episode that gives me chills is when his dad brings home fucking veggie tails <laughs> the, like on the VHS is and that then, what the movie was you know, the internet told me that Caroline I had okay. no idea because like before it was HD and you know you could just see mm -hmm. it plain as day someone zoomed in on that shit and they were like why did he go and rent veggie tails for him yeah, that's, a little weird. that's a little weird he's not a toddler but the way that 
he is on once he uh, gets the phone call from Joey and he's looking at Craig and then Craig runs up the stairs and he comes after him with a, with golf a fucking club. golf club like just like like tossing it and like yeah I'm gonna go get this son of a like it's so scary like I legitimately get chills from it because it's so real and scary the way that that played out. The only thing that kind of took me out of it a little bit was that Craig was packing a bag. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a kid that grows up in that home has a bag. Has a bag. Right, yeah. That that's some real shit, Caroline. Already like just has a bag ready to go. Right. And, and and get out of there whenever he needs to. And I think that that's a good point, especially because he has been always he's he's been talking about just skipping town. Like he's just, just like yeah. casually talking about going to British Columbia with Angie and you know, just going on the street when he's talking to Sean. Like it's very much uh yeah, he's got one foot out of the door mentally. But, right. you know, there's I mean, there could also be said for the fact that he hasn't packed a bag because maybe he doesn't realize, you know, maybe it's escalating. I, It's kind of hard to tell. You assume by getting into this, uh, being brought into the situation that it's been happening a while, obviously, but it mm-hmm. maybe is getting more frequent and it's just getting harder to not set him off or whatever it is because he's back uh, in within Angie's distance and he's He's obviously going to break the rules or whatever to go see right. Angie. There was one moment actually that I noticed where I really liked her acting, mm-hmm. which was when they're in the park and she sees Craig's bruises. Yes. That and is he tells legit, yes. her, you know, that it was the dinosaur and whatever. And she asks, did it hurt? And mm-hmm. he says, yeah. And there's this, you know, because he's played dinosaur with her and it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt. Like, yeah, it's her. There's this moment where it's like you can see Angie trying to make sense of that mm-hmm. and and reconcile that with like the world that she knows, which is that people don't hurt her. Right. Yeah, it's definitely an eye opener th- for her. She does. And play there's that a well. minute of like face acting there that I thought was really good. It's definitely like they don't give her a whole lot to do other than be you know cute and she does get to further the plot though in a and i feel like that's a good Mm. like if you have an actor under 10 that's all you can really ask for i like how you know she like i said she's able to advance the plot and just having joey you know telling joey like no like i like a dinosaur hurts that's okay that's something that i want to ask about is like so are we under the assumption then that Albert Manning did not become abusive, physically abusive at least, mm-hmm. until after Julia had left, maybe even after she had died. I can't, right. I feel because, like, yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing is like the way that Joey, like, one, keeps going to Craig's dad about right. shit. And that's kind of my gripe. Yeah, when Sean's like, yo, he's getting beat. Joey's like, that's a very serious allegation. And like, you would think, you know, because abusers are abusive. So it doesn't track to me that he wouldn't have abused Julia. And if he abused Julia, Joey would know about that. Which is very valid. And I don't know that the writers considered that because the I really want to say that perhaps the writers didn't consider that because it's been five years since she died. 
No, it's only so, been a year or, or two year, years since she, she died, died in 99. Now. Right. She died in 99. The wedding was five years ago. But I think that timeline wise, it wouldn't make sense that like I and not even timeline wise, character wise. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense that he just suddenly became an abuser overnight. I think that he was abusive and it's just it's dot, it's like as a result of his stress, as a result of his job and mm-hmm. him having no emotional regulation or maturity he is always going to like i just think he's always been that way and whether it's like varying forms of degrees or you know it's just not consistent whatever that is maybe um, it just never really got physical with julia yeah because that, that's a fair point. Like, I just think that if anyone knows anything about abuse, it's that, you know, the abuser will act one way just to get a lot of people on their side or, you know, to, to have a control over what people think of them. And then they're completely different behind closed doors. That's kind of how they need to be. Because if you're just beating ass in the street and saying, I'm beating ass in the street, I'm kicking my kid's ass. Like that's not gonna, that that just has no longevity. Like, you know, he, like he thrives with no, like being the perfect looking dad and no one would ever think that he would hurt Craig. That has to be what it is. And I mean, I guess that's why, Joey is so like, oh, that's a serious accusation. But I actually kind of look at Joey like, really, Joey? Well, (laughs) like, I need you to not be like, not even not that like, he doesn't want to take it at face value. But it's more just like, oh, no, that's so outlandish. There's no way like, that's kind of the air I'm getting. Whereas it's just like, I would the second question I would ask is what is your proof? Why do you think this? versus right kids don't just come up with that shit like i know people like to like demonize kids sometimes but like these are at like sean's almost 15 at this point emma's 13 like they are kids they are not gonna go around just telling people telling parents that kids they know are getting beat by their parents that's not something that kids fabricate and i think that on that premise or on that basis that joey should have taken it you know, a little bit like it shouldn't have been like, no, no. And then, you know, he, I don't know what his, where he's coming well, from. So one thing I think that's worth considering is one thing, first of all, about his, his response is I think Joey's trying to navigate this situation in a way that's mm-hmm. respectful. You know, if he doesn't mm-hmm. know that Craig's dad is abusive, like mm-hmm. it sounds like it wasn't like Craig's dad, parents got divorced and then she met joey it sounds like joey was one of like a catalyst for that relationship ending so he probably feels like you know i already stole this dude's wife i can't just come in and like accuse him of being his kid and i think that's part of it but i think another part of it is that we have a way broader understanding of abuse than Mm -hmm. we did 20 years ago like collectively you know we've started to identify emotional abuse as abuse and really Mm -hmm. talk about it and call it out in a way that we weren't back then and so joey as a person who likely hasn't been on the receiving end of the the kind of abuse that Julia would have been subjected to, assuming mm-hmm. that it wasn't physical abuse. Right. You know, Julia telling him about 
Albert Manning, he's probably just like, wow, that guy's a dick. Whereas <laughs> now you would be like, oh, well, that's gaslighting. And this is emotional manipulation. Yeah, definitely looking at it from the the 20 year lens is is very sobering because you realize the how far we've come as a as a society and just not blaming people for the things mm-hmm. that abusive people do to them like i mean but even with that 20 year lens like this this subject is handled so carefully and i really appreciate the nuance that they give to not only Craig's character but also his dad like his dad is the villain but he's not the villain. Like, it, it's weird. Obviously, there's more to his arc, which I can't spoil, and I won't spoil, but I think that even in this episode, there are uh, nuances. Abusive people don't just decide to be abusive people. Like, you become that way, either because you've experienced it or, you know, you grew up in a house where that's how your dad was, to your mom or like whatever the thing may be, you know, and I, I always, I I hesitate with the idea that anybody is just purely evil. And I would Mm -hmm. concede that there are maybe some exceptions to that rule. Yeah, definitely. But I think that by and large, people are complex and complicated and we all have trauma Mm -hmm. and it's complicated. And fuck it Craig's is. dad, too. It fuck Craig's dad. I think, like, watching this, because I, I realized that this is probably, this is around the time I started watching live. I think I actually started watching live in season two. But I remember season two way, like, more, like, vividly than I remember season one. And I just think it's because the rewatchability is higher for season mm-hmm. two. But I remember watching the shit out of these two episodes or this two-parter because... I felt the authenticity of it and it really affected me. And I think when I was younger, it was a lot more of a black and white episode. And I didn't identify with Craig's dad. Not like I identify with him specifically now, but I I see him as more of a person versus just the big bad guy whereas that that's what I was coming from when you know when watching it as a kid and mm-hmm. I was really surprised watching it again you know even from the pandemic because just being in a different headspace of you know getting ready to start my family and things of that nature have ma- have made me think about things from a parental point of view even though I'm not a parent yet as a side mm-hmm. note have you ever read the book The Third Life of Grange Copeland no So it's Alice Walker's first novel. Her big thing Mm -hmm. that everybody knows is Color Purple. Mm -hmm. And it's about, it's it's basically like in three parts. And it follows the life of this man, Grange Copeland, who's a father and a sharecropper. And his wife is sleeping with everybody. And, you know, he goes and works land that he doesn't own. And he comes home and he beats his wife and his kid and whatever. And it really paints the picture of how like the ways that society, and this is not at all to excuse this behavior, like get some fucking therapy. Although that didn't used to be an option, but the ways Mm -hmm. that like for men in particular, like society just takes from you and emasculates you and breaks you Mm -hmm. down to nothing. Right. And tells you not to cry. And tells you not to cry. (laughs) And express any emotion. You can feel happy. And you can feel angry. And that is right. it. That's it. Yeah. And definitely. and so like in the first part of it, he is a bad, bad man. But you also understand why. And then the second part follows his son in adulthood. 
and his son mm-hmm. has become awful as well. And then the third part is this beautiful redemption arc where he's an older man. He's softened a lot. He's mm-hmm. now taking care of his granddaughter and it's just the two of them out on this farm. And it's this like, it's a really beautiful tale of redemption. And also it's a really good exploration of how abusive men in particular can become that and not in a way yeah. that excuses it, yeah, but in it's a way so- where you do have empathy for it. Right. I think that's the the key is I think I'll definitely have to watch this episode again once I am a parent Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'll probably have a whole different feeling about it, but I definitely found myself empathizing more than I ever have with Craig's dad, just because I can understand what it is like to be an adult and have a host of responsibilities, but also I can't understand what it's like to be a man in this, in this society. I know it's hard enough being a woman. It's just a whole different set of of rules. The older I get, the more sympathy I have and the more understanding I have for how hard I think it is to grow up a man in this Mm -hmm. world and honestly even with all the privilege they get i'm i'm happy that i was raised a girl Mm -hmm. i get to feel things definitely right and i think i really like that you said like you know anger because i think that's just the most encouraged emotion in men Mm -hmm. is anger i love little boys because of like how sweet they are a little boy is like the sweetest thing before he grows up and turns into like a i don't know whatever a thing i have really come to cherish is spending time in the woods with men that i feel safe being in the woods with Mm-hmm. Because they all turn into a little boy. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's something to be said for boyhood. Like, I feel like girlhood, you know, it lasts a, a longer time because girls are, it, like, girlhood doesn't really, girlhood and womanhood are very similar. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're not expected to, to really, like, emotionally change. You know, we, we are, I feel like women inherently are, taught to be emotionally mature you know like control yourself etc what not all of us are well and so much but we're given more tools to be <laughs> yes and right and that is how you're you're regulating yourself because you're being taught to do other things that are very important to, or so you're told but i think that just i try to my girlfriend she's very close to her nephew and he is going to be three in january So we spend a lot of time with him because he's not in school yet. We take him out everywhere. And I think like the sweetest thing about him is how he laughs. His laugh is so sweet and innocent and pure. And I really just wonder how he's going to be when he grows up Mm -hmm. because... I just think that there's something that happens when boys are not allowed to, they're not expressing as much, as many feelings. They're taught not to cry. It feels so good to cry and release those emotions. And I'm just so sad for men who feel like they can't cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no. You're just holding so much shit inside. And then you just go smash your fucking uh, son's door with a golf club about it mm-hmm. instead of like crying about it. Right. No, that was one of the things that like really drew, me to my husband was he cries yeah you know and it's not like he cries all the time but he cries and Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's for really dumb shit like he cried when Nadia won her season of British Bake Off (laughs) that man cried tears of joy for a woman he does not know who won a baking competition where the prize is literally just a cake stand (laughs) 
That is a really shitty prize. I better be a really nice cake stand. <laughs> she ended up getting like her own show and some book deals yeah. out of it. So she's so fine. exposure, but like no cash prize for you. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's important. It's good for you. Just take a good weep. I feel like, you know, schedule it in if you can't just have it on the fly. I feel like watch the last episode of Six Feet Under. Even just no the last context. 20 minutes, just the last like 20 minutes. Just the last minutes. 20, that's true. That's the last 20 minutes is what hits. Please, you will sob like a literal newborn. It is going to work for I, you. I think though, what I'm noticing with the Zoomers and Gen Alpha mm-hmm. is a lot more emotional maturity. I think, you know, Definitely. like our parents, gen- our parents' parents just like did not deal with their shit. They came mm-hmm. home and they drank and they beat their wives about it. Yeah. And then our parents' generation, like some of them started going to therapy, more so the women than the men. And it was mm-hmm. very hush hush. Yeah. And then our generation is like, oh my God, I have to tell you what my therapist said yesterday. Right. And very open about it. And I'm seeing like, like the Gen Z kids that I know mm-hmm. are amazing when it comes to emotional maturity. And they're going to raise their kids that way. And Absolutely. so your nephew may be all right, but yeah, let him I cry. <laughs> Definitely. Like let little boys cry. And I do agree with that. I think if we're talking generational trauma, Gen X is kind of the turning point. And I think, I do think Craig's dad would be Gen X. Mm-hmm. So that's the turning point. Millennials, we cusp, cuspers, we, you know, there's, there's been more of an we effort. still got issues. <laughs> there's, oh, there's so no, many I issues. Love, have you <laughs> but... noticed this new thing with Disney movies where like the villain is generational trauma, like in Encanto and um, Turning Red? Mm-hmm. Oh, tur- Turning Red was so great. I have not seen Encanto yet. Oh. And I know, I know, I know. I know. I keep get first. I was really late to the the Coco party, and I love. I fuck Coco made me fucking sob. Oh, dude, and, Coco. And then you know, once I watched Turning Red, that made me cry. <laughs> Turning Red is so. Beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And like, have you seen that video? Of Sandra O oh at like it's some award show or something and um fuck what's the name of the band now I can't remember the fake band in Turning Red that they're super into oh gosh I know they're a boy band fucking riff but I don't I don't remember. Dylan as a producer you need to look up the band from Turning Red <laughs> like I do know. but Sandra. <laughs> Sandra O oh is at some like award show or something going on and mm-hmm. there's like a live performance of that fake band. What is it? It's Four Town. I knew it had a four, yes. but I kept thinking boys for now. Um <laughs> and they're they're singing that song and Sandra O oh is like fangirling about it. I'll send it to you. It's a really, really cute video of her just rocking the fuck out to this fake band. Oh my gosh. I really, I just think that that's, that whole movie was so fucking gorgeous. And it was you, uh, set in Canada. It's I know, Canadian. it is. It is Canadian. <laughs> so, it's Canadian. It's subtly Canadian, but it, well, no, I mean, it's subtly, but not, I feel like they've referenced it a couple times, but. You gotta watch Encanto, though. Both, I will. It is on my list. They're both not, like. Not the void list, the actual list. <laughs> and Coco falls into that, too, of like, nope, the villain is generational trauma. And a mm-hmm. little bit Ernesto de la Cruz. Fuck that guy. <laughs> okay. But then 
Encanto and Turning Red in particular both have these fathers who are like, I have seen how this general generational trauma has fucked with my wife and I mm-hmm. hate it and I'm not yeah. going to let this happen to my daughter. And it's yeah. fucking love to see it. Absolutely. To get it's, back uh, into Degrassi, though, because we probably should. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're on track. I um, Oh, I also want to bring up what I feel like the one thing that took me out of this episode, besi- you know, aside from its content, is I'm just paying way too much attention to the little details in the dialogue. But OK, so Craig was away at camp for the mm-hmm. summer. I want to know what camp he was at, but that's not <laughs> my question is where did he go to school before he went to Degrassi? Because for for 7th and 8th grade, where did he go? And where was he living? Well, and why? okay. So <laughs> and why is he just like the I just way, I, <laughs> the way that my school district worked, the one that I grew up in and went to school and until I went to a cult was like there were three elementary schools. Mm-hmm. And then when you went to middle school, no, there were three lower elementary schools, K through 3. And then there were three upper elementary schools, uh, four through six. And so Mm -hmm. you'd go to whatever elementary school, and then you'd go to your upper elementary. And some of your classmates from the last school would be there, but some of them wouldn't. And there'd be new kids and whatever. And then middle school, there were three middle schools. Mm -hmm. And then there were three high schools. You had a big school district. I did have a big school district. It was similar. There was like four elementary schools uh three middle schools and then just one high school so everybody came together mm-hmm. in high school and it was a massive high school but i definitely that that i'll i'll accept that because personally i just don't i don't like that like we didn't get craig before now like obviously it's a strong entry to his character but i'm like where was craig well because there's other new kids too you know (laughs) ellie's new marco's new so i think that's what it is is there were separate middle schools and then all of these kids were supposed to go to degrassi high okay and then it got shut down okay separate middle schools okay because i was thinking did, didn't we get ellie before now Mm-mm. no we, we haven't we even haven't gotten ellie i yet. watched i watched ahead no uh we and i took notes on that already so we have not gotten ellie yet because we get like a whole intro episode where like three i think this like a bunch of characters are introduced and it's not this one okay so all a right, small so. not really important thing i want to point out is craig and the scene with the train which is really fucking intense and he and oh yeah definitely he and scene. daniel clark both do excellent jobs but mm-hmm. then yet again degrassi hits us with the student is going through something traumatizing let's have them run away really awkwardly mm-hmm. sean's like I what mean, the fuck's wrong him. with you and craig's like running his arms are full up yeah, like wacky inflatable <laughs> wacky wavy wacky inflatable, inflatable arm flailing shoe, man yes <laughs> that's exactly like <laughs> it's it's bad and his his skateboard flying up in the air oh my god do we ever see craig with a skateboard ever again i'm pretty sure we don't we're gonna have to keep an eye out for that we're gonna have to keep an eye out for that because i really you know i think they the skateboard is just a little i like how people will have like random hobbies for an episode or two where it's essentially just so they can have this prop mm-hmm. oh, oh absolutely like you thought we wouldn't notice we noticed and then <laughs> <We've> got questions <laughs> another thing that i noticed or i wondered about is so spoiler alert and we won't get heavy into it but 
down the line a couple of seasons craig gets diagnosed with a personality disorder and watching this episode knowing that i kind of wonder if they had that planned from the start because Mm -hmm. yeah he is a kid in crisis in a crisis situation but there's more there this kid is definitely unwell He is. And it's like, there's definitely the impulsiveness and just not being in touch with reality to Mm -hmm. a point that becomes extremely prevalent in his, in, you know, not even, we don't even have to wait that long to get, right (laughs) to get that sort of behavior that's like, okay, there's something deeper going on. I just think that it's all kind of coming at him like a, like a train and he's having to deal with a lot at one time. And I think that's kind of, you know, he's around the age where those, the illnesses start to manifest more um, because of puberty and everything. Right. So he's, he's in the thick of it, unfortunately. (laughs) I also have to throw a little bit of shade at Emma for oh, well, being Emma's... the worst babysitter ever. And like, you have to do math homework. Go to the park, sit at the park, sit... let Craig play with Angie while you do your math homework. No, you know Emma. She she can't uh, study in the natural light. She needs fluorescence. You can't. You would think she, she would want nature, little Miss Tree Male. She miscalculated her role in the situation, and I mean that is a. That is an Emma thing. It's not going to go away. But Emma sees multiple opportunities to, you know, she obviously she has a little crush on Craig, so that motivates her a little bit. But then she also, quote, unquote, wants to do what's right. I well, don't know. And, like, I, I and do, it's not wrong, but it's just like, this it is, is not your place. It is cause. It's fucked up. But also you're a child and there are so many things here that, that like. you don't, right. You don't understand. You are just her babysitter, Emma. Like, leave the parenting to me, which I appreciate Joey saying because you're literally making parental decisions. Like, you don't know the situation and you're literally handing off a child that was entrusted to you Mm -hmm. to... I mean, not that he's gonna you, but you don't know the situation. But like, okay, you know, you do just I think, met him. Do I again. think that like Craig is gonna hurt Angie? Nobody might. No. Ki- he might kidnap her. He's do I kidnap think, her? But it's gonna be. <laughs> do I think that like Albert is gonna hurt Angie? Also, no. But no, what if Albert shows up at the park? Right, and then Angie. But then Angie's exposed to that. Angie's exposed to that, and that's fucking. That's enough. Yeah, it is. And Emma's not like you know. One of my notes was just that this is the adolescent point of view that Emma is still in. In the fact that she isn't. She has no foresight. She is not thinking about any consequences, any variant, any variables in in mm-hmm. this situation. What if Joey comes home early? What if uh, they lost track of time and, you know, he doesn't drop her off when he's supposed to and then Joey's worried? Like, she doesn't... What if her dad, his dad, comes to the park? She's not thinking about anything but herself, really. Um. (laughs) No, I mean, I do think that she, you know... She hears the Craig situation and it's like, yeah, it's not fair. This is his sister. Why won't you let him be around his little sister? Like, well, I think she's thinking of him in that vein, but, but then what do, the, the babysitting ta- vein. I think I said in the group chat today that like, you can totally see her little brain working mm-hmm, as she's listening yeah. to that conversation being like, what's this? A just yes. cause? I can save the day? Mm-hmm. It's definitely, it's sus. She's already, t- <laughs> like, I I think you see her p- um, floating in the background of Joey and Craig's conversation at the little party they have for Spike. Yeah. And her just being like, 
mm, I kind of want to stick my head in here and and continue to pry. But I mean, ultimately, Emma does help. You know, she helps Joey find him. Yeah. And she also helps Joey take the situation a little bit more seriously, which leads to Craig being removed from his household. Right. And Joey does, as soon as Joey knows what's going on, Joey steps yeah, the fuck was, up and is like, and no, he this handles is it my... well. I like right. him. I like him saying, you know, like we talked about, he knows that this has to happen. Like those are very, I, I feel like he knows that this situ, like how hard the situation is. And he is really trying to prepare him mm-hmm. as best he can, because ultimately he is stepping in right now. But I feel like from Joey's point of view, he doesn't know how long this, you know, he will have to put positivity into Craig's life. And he's trying to give him tools and like, you know, set boundaries and actually make sure that he not even make sure but do everything that you're that you, in your power to set mm-hmm. those boundaries and go in come out you know and I really appreciate that ending scene for you know and I have to respect Emma because mm-hmm. you know she didn't she wasn't aware of what was going on with Sean so or with Craig so presumably what happened is a frantic Sean Cameron who she is not fucking talking to thank you very much (laughs) shows up at her house and is like this kid we barely know is in crisis and I need your help yeah and she's like yep okay and I I respected that I liked that they showed up together and like didn't hate the the concerned parties yeah and I mean it's I I definitely think that for my issues with Emma, they're going to be constant. There's all like I feel like there's she is motivated by trying to do the right thing. And for her, the right thing is always different. But I feel like without her interference, the outcome wouldn't have been as smooth. The fact that she involved herself and continued and I mean kudos to Sean as well for, mm-hmm. you know, being a friend. And actually standing up and being witness to what's going on. I think that Emma's heart is in the right place. I think that Emma is also very much like white girl goes to Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) where you go on that trip to like where you spend a bunch of money to go build a house or something that you have no business building. And every night when your group goes to sleep, (laughs) all the men have to go and redo your work. Oh my gosh. And you take so many pictures. I had an yeah. ex who, after we broke up, we he went to Kenya and he played violin. He actually went to Kenya. He went to Kenya with Darcy, <laughs> not with Darcy. Um, he played violin and he got a Facebook shortly before he went to Kenya. And then for like the first three years that he had his Facebook, his picture was him playing his stupid violin in like a circle of presumably Kenyan orphans. Oh my. And it used to TMI. But it used to, like, it was, for me, a perfect picture of exactly the, like, problematic nature of that kind of travel, because Mm -hmm. I know for a fucking fact that the face he makes when he plays the violin, the face that he is making in that fucking picture is also the picture that he, the face that he makes when he whacks it. And I think, so I'm like... Because I think that kind of shit is so masturbatory. It is. It's definitely appealing to to your 
ego, but not only your ego, but it's just like, it's, it's, oh, I, I'm doing such good. So it hits on the ego. It hits on the altruism, you know, like, come on now. It, it's right. so transparent. And I think that I'm so happy that a lot of that has gone out of style. <laughs> I did my, it sucks to say it that way, but <laughs> I did my ethics final in college on volunteerism. Mm-hmm. Mm. My ethics teacher didn't like it because she liked to go on those trips, so I didn't get a great grade. I passed. She felt called out a little bit. You know, she felt shots were fired. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I think it's it's something to be said for that mentality that Emma has. And I think it's very similar. She sees, you know, her. I think she definitely puts herself up on a pedestal because she has those motivations to interfere and everything and not like she doesn't do good i just think it's not for the it's like not it's a means to an end right and when i did take philosophy of course there was that whole thought of you know being doing good for the sake of doing good not for the sake of feeling anything or benefiting from it but you know once you do that and you have those feelings associated with it then people are just a means to an end for whatever you're you know you're fueling your own ego so we should talk about the fucking b plot which <laughs> page is fucking hair G-G and is like super into page yeah and toby's like you she's you out of your no league and he what has he called his system oh the... i wrote it down it's the isaac system and i wrote the it down isaac system and gross <laughs> i is. hate when they have toby give future incel vibes yeah see they and i don't i feel like they just they didn't know they didn't know they and if they did know him. is it not like very mark zuckerberg of it's him it's so mark zuckerberg <laughs> of him extremely it's it's giving it's giving mark zuckerberg toby invented hot or not.com as it turns out oh toby exactly and he's serious about these like the algorithm like whatever he like he he's like a lot of data which is is like no i need more of a challenge and i'm like jt a challenge is a living breathing human girl okay like that's a challenge for you young man but like you know you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take so Mm -hmm. (laughs) jt york said that (laughs) um actually wayne gretzky said that and so did michael scott Oh my gosh, I I know both of those people, but I also don't. (laughs) He writes it on a whiteboard during a meeting. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And then like under it, like you would with a quote, Wayne Gretzky. And then under that, Michael Scott. Oh my gosh. I have unintentionally brought us back to the office. (laughs) All roads lead back to the office and I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. One thing that I noticed is JT still looks like a little kid, whereas Toby has come back like looking like you can see more like the man that Toby's going to grow into. And JT... It's not baby fat though. It's it's just JT's got I don't know. JT's got a like, younger I, look about him and a younger he energy. Does. I just I feel like I, I that was one of my notes is just looking at the I couldn't find the production schedule pro- mostly because I didn't look that hard. But I was looking at the uh, the dates that the episodes aired. So, you know, reasonably they've got to be shot within, you know, a 6 month amount mm-hmm. of time, whatever. So, this cast the transformation in about a year 
is mm-hmm. insane. And I know kids grow like weeds, but just the fact that, you know, some of them have gotten taller, some of them have gotten in their face. It's more like, like what we right. come to know them as like, okay, right. this is how they look for a, the majority of the show. And JT is not there yet. Whereas Toby, I think he, you know, he lost a little bit of his cheeks, like, and he's just a little bit more slimmer looking in the face. Mm-hmm. And he's not that much taller, but he does look a little bit longer. And it's definitely like he is emerging or Mm -hmm. like heading into puberty like he's getting there now i don't know what jt is doing but he does spike his hair this season so maybe so he's feeling he's feeling puberty on the cusp but it's not quite coming for him. it was it was funny because i'm like watching it and like jay or toby was nowhere on my degrassi crush radar because like you've got craig you've got sean you know you've yeah and i mean he even, wasn't uh, one of spinner, the cute degrassi boys right yeah spinner and i know that i read this somewhere go ahead oh i read this somewhere about shane is that he he watched the season one and he felt like he wasn't happy with his appearance so that's why there's such a like dramatic shift in the way he looks Aww. i think he looks a lot he i know i was definitely like but you know like He's like that, that, a little bit chubbly in season one, but it's literally because what, yeah. he's that age. Right. Where and he's got he, like that one more growth spurt before he mm-hmm. starts like looking like a teenager. Absolutely. Oh, I think it's so sad. It definitely does because it's just like he, you know, he's still growing. Like there's and I think like adolescents are hard on themselves anyway, but like to right. see yourself on TV. I wouldn't have wanted to be on TV at 13 years old. Gosh. No. <laughs> like, and to be able to look and, and millions of people rewatch this every couple, like every year, like this is an insanely popular show 20 years later. So I think it's crazy to. Dude, <laughs> to it's figure. like, I used to do like community theater and like, I don't even want to watch the shitty recording that our director took with anybody else. Yeah. Like, if you want to watch my performance and come back, Little Sheba, I will loan you the DVD. But I'm not watching. <laughs> I'm that not going to be with there you. with you. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Like, I, I feel like if I was ever on a TV show, I just wouldn't watch it. But I that's can't just even me. like listen to this with anybody. Even I was Charlie. If he comes over to like edit, I'm like, <laughs> okay, but I really can't. <laughs> I was gonna say our own our own podcast. Literally, as I've you know the couple real world people I've met and asked to listen, they've start a couple people like my uh, sister, my girlfriend's sister. She started listening to it, and when I looked up the episode for her, she started pressing play, and I'm like, no, not while I'm here. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it. I have this. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave the room. I have this like stand-up performance that I did to open a burlesque show like years ago and I love it it's one of my favorite pieces I've ever written it's hilarious and I look adorable I don't ever need to watch it again I'll send you the link you can watch it far away from me it's great you can watch it far away from me and this is so irrelevant. I don't know why I'm thinking of it. And I, I hopefully it tur- makes us turn a quarter, but I'm thinking of the moment in Scream where she's like, oh, I'll look out for your book. And she's like, I'll send you a copy. And then she's punching, <laughs> bam, and then fucking down. Gallon later. <laughs> I'll send you a copy. Bam, bam. <laughs> bitch went down. Bam, Sid, super bitch. 
Sometimes this I is a Scream it. podcast, which is relevant because Darcy's in Scream 4. But Darcy today, is in Scream 4. Today, this is a Degrassi podcast, and we barely talked about the B-plot. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well. JT is JT. Paige, and Paige's hair is a mess, and she needs $30. Why so, doesn't she just clean out the garage? Because that's, she's a prince. Because that's she's a princess. child labor. I and my God. evil parents are making me clean out the garage for the rest. They gave you a solution to your problem. Okay? Right. right. <laughs> they don't want you to be such a spoiled brat. So they're telling you, if you want more money that is not included in your allowance, you need to actually do some shit around the house to, for that money. Right. Suck a novel up, concept. Paige. And then she's just like, no, I think I'll just take a bet for my friends instead. And like. Which like <laughs> fine. But then they're so fucking mean. They're there they for presumably the whole time kind of watching. I and know. As I soon think that they- as Paige like lets down her guard. And right. And starts. And is enjoying she- herself for a second. They pop up and they're like right in front of JT. They're like, here's your money, Paige. And, but and like, it's and then so he has, shitty. Hazel has to say, you look like you're actually having fun. Like, did, what? why do you have to be such a because- bitch? Because... <laughs> Because like she's people... the token best friend character, snarky best, who's friend. just kind of gonna have whatever personality fits for they the episode. They decide to give her for that episode. It really, it's it's exactly what it is. They just justice keep... for Hazel Aden. Really, because it's like she gets less like consistency and character than Terry does. At least Terry takes a stance to be, you know. Rick's wishy-washy or, oh my gosh caroline we are not there yet thank go watch Gook. get kelly because andrea lewis is in that and she's about the and same she's age and so she's mu- amazing and she they deserves- give her a character <sighs> she's she's actually i mean and kudos to disney for shooting a number of these decoms in canada so that we could have the lovely you know cameos of various degrassi characters yeah eventually we're gonna get our shit together to have like decom watch parties yeah because there's a number of characters from degrassi that just pop up in the background and it, it it's definitely a rabbit hole that you could fall down but i i mean i really wish that they would have given a little bit more regard to how they just make Hazel be whatever they want her to be. But in this episode, she's a bitch. And Spinner, I mean, doesn't really have a lot to do. He's next to Jimmy. Oh, and right, I think we mentioned that the the, uh, the Jimmy Sean beef is alive and well. Yeah, they're just sitting in the hallway like two old men on top of something. I think on no, top they're of, sitting like, a in desk. They're in a classroom. No, no, when they are in the hallway and Sean bumps into Craig. Craig, no, they're, I think they're in a classroom. They're in like their homeroom, but they're sitting right by the door. I could be wrong. I thought they were in the hallway because he was, no. like, he has a map. He's like, Craig oh, what, is this Craig a Degrassi? And Sean are, but I don't think, I think Jimmy and Spinner are in a classroom. There's like a wall there. Okay. But just the fact that they're sitting there drinking coffee like two old men mm-hmm. and it's like you guys are in ninth grade and and then he's like hanging out with with hazel and Paige because he and Paige don't actually officially date still for a little while no he's just assimilated into the friend group they're all like a friend group now i it's guess so funny though because it seems like it is 
ever apparent that Paige and Spinner don't fucking like each other at all. Mm-hmm. Like, and not like don't have crushes on each other, but like don't enjoy each other's company. company. Yeah, I think that they still didn't like, I, I mean, there's just not an alpha couple, uh, I guess, since you know uh, jimmy and ashley broke up Mm -hmm. so i don't i don't i don't know why they don't uh didn't think about other pairings they're just like let's stick with spinner and and um page let's have them court for a while and will they won't they but it's like nobody wants them to nobody ever wanted them to i think that they were just the most they they were a couple that really didn't make sense and it's literally just because he was there right Um, i think it was like status symbol which i guess probably makes sense for that age i don't no, yeah. I dating me was not a sad symbol in ninth grade so I don't know but I definitely can't relate so it's I mean I feel like the the for me the big part of the B plot is just that Paige is on her way to not being season one Paige anymore mm-hmm. and I'll take that yeah I will take it because I genuinely like you said earlier I enjoy the dynamic between JT and Paige I think that they're sweet and I mean that continues and I think this is a very good uh foundation for where they go in their friendship because it ultimately becomes very important mm-hmm. for Paige. And yeah, I no, mean it's a symbiotic. I, it's no, symbiotic, I love their but. I love their friendship and I love the start of it and I love like this is one of JT's more likable episodes. Mm-hmm. He's it's like I think he go like, you know, kind of like Paige. He they give him a little bit more dimension. He's not just the menace, but you know, they give him that little bit of of sweetness which I do appreciate and you know the the fact that he is shoot like I said shoots his shot and, and it's like yeah you know I feel like I my first date was always gonna end in a kiss you'd be making my dreams come true and it's it's really sweet and she's like no but I date up hun like yeah <laughs> sorry no, like it's... this is just not gonna happen but this is you know this which okay so this is a thing we can be friends mason is dating up (sighs) Paige misspoke with that one (laughs) like i don't know but i I mean her most of her dating history and to be honest she doesn't really date up until alex nunez so it (laughs) (laughs) that to me is dating up for her (laughs) like Paige and jimmy was a couple we never got that would have made sense. sense yes more sense than Paige and ashley ever do more or or their little chemistry last season uh jimmy and Paige on the romeo and juliet episode Mm -hmm. was like the most chemistry that any pair really had last season and i i mean they just it, it it's not written on chemistry which sucks because i know that the writers noticed oh this person can act let's give them storylines and mm-hmm. etc so they they gave more storylines to the actors they felt like could handle them okay if you notice one actor and another actor seem to hit it off and whenever they're in scenes together there's a little spark okay you should foster that because that's the kind of thing you can't teach that's the kind of thing you can't curate or right. set up is chemistry if people have it they have it if they don't they don't and i think it would have been really interesting to see in season two Paige and jimmy date because of mm-hmm. what happened with Paige and ashley and we know that jimmy wants the kind of girl that is popular and girly and like all american cheerleader type that's the kind of girl he 
really wanted Ashley to be because mm-hmm. he thought she, I think even when she was, you know, season one, Ashley, he still, it wasn't exactly his jam, but like he liked her. But I think his type is more about Paige. I think I said it last season too. Why didn't they date the grassy writers? Like y'all yeah, had it's, it's an dumb. opportunity and you just And instead you it. forced Spinner and page on us and into a loveless marriage (laughs) better people with other people surely could have they go on way too long my opinion yeah but yeah it's more like a friendship that really i think that they were always better friends for each other if anything um but i feel like they even have to develop their friendship like they don't even (laughs) even while they're dating their 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 friendship is just not good i i think you should be friends with the person you're dating but that Mm -hmm. is a novel concept for teenagers so yeah i i think that that's do you have anything else no i think we can move on into segments and put this baby to bed yeah we definitely we definitely talked about a lot of it we talked a lot about craig we talked a lot about craig and we talked a lot about six feet under but craig was the big (laughs) and we did and i feel like those are two i mean they connect they connect (laughs) all we somehow All shows really come back to Six Feet Under if you try hard enough. They do. They do. But something that I have not been tracking that hopefully you have, Caroline, is the hunt count. (laughs) You already even said it, my friend. Um, It's when Paige, after the date, says to JT, like, she gives him the kiss on the cheek and then she's like, sorry, hun, I only date up. It's nothing personal. Oh, okay. All right. See, I completely See, did not realize she had a hun in there. Thank you literally you. said the hun when you like were talking about the Did line. I say the hun? You Damn said it. the hun. All right. Well, it's in the watch I'm guide just... <laughs> to pay attention for huns because I can't track them all myself. I will pay. I will pay more attention to huns. It's just like as long as we're, you know. I, hmm. I am bad about that, it's, and I guess I'm good about it at the same time. <laughs> so we got one hun in here. <laughs> Did you have any shots fired, my friend? Shots. Uh, you can you can go first. I don't think I have any. Um. So my two were Sean when Craig bumps into him in the hallway, being like, "Is Degrassi a high school and a blind school this year?" And then Craig says something about being lost, and he's like buy a map and it's just like it's that angsty sean shit that i love yes definitely and then Paige showing up to their date incognito was shots (laughs) fired (laughs) yes absolutely that is funny definitely Paige showing up incognito i guess i'll give a shots fired to the props department once again i'm just gonna assume that it was a mistake to throw in the vhs box of veggie tales for a teenager and his dad i'm just gonna assume that was a mistake mistakey poo on your part <laughs> to grassy right. props department but if it wasn't i'm firing a shot <laughs> either way i'm firing a yeah, shot. yeah do better because <laughs> you could have thrown anything else in there you shouldn't decided to throw veggie tails but yeah no. <laughs> and i mean that does not it's not an easy segue into my favorite corner but you know my favorite corner is the fashion corner <laughs> I think that there is some there is some solid fashion in this episode. I think that the fashion is getting a little better. First, I really did like Emma's little polo. I thought it was cute and it definitely made me it did not make me nostalgic for the time where we all thought that wearing a polo was a look. The look. The look. 
I, I just it's a cute it's a cute polo though um it's like striped with I think pink and green mm-hmm. and it's got a little heart um I don't know that emblem but maybe rock I don't think it's Roxy whatever it's there's an emblem of some kind on there and it is cute she's got a couple cute outfits this season I also I mean this episode I also like her little green yeah cheetah print uh, with the corresponding was it I thought it was leopard I thought th- it was it's like either cheetah or leopard. Are you talking about Mm-mm. the shirt she was wearing when she was babysitting um, Angie? No, it's a gr- oh, okay. uh, not that blue one. It, there's a green shirt, and it's like uh, it, I'm pretty sure it's cheetah print because okay, she has the that. little scrunchies in her hair that are green too. But then, yeah, when they go to the when it's um, Spike's party and they're across the street with Angie, like. Mm-hmm coloring yeah then she has like a little blue shirt on with like cap little puffy cap sleeves that are cute it's cute i liked when she and craig pick angie up from school and then she's doing her math homework and she's wearing it's not a tank top but it's sleeveless Mm -hmm. and it's like white but then on the front of it there's like a picture of it's green and it looks like it's like sunflowers but green so we're talking about the same shirt, but it is not sunflowers. It is an animal print. <laughs> so a, this is I definitely paused on that epi- on that outfit because I really liked it. it they are not sunflowers. Crazy. <laughs> it's okay. This is very like. Is the dress blue and gold, or for me, the dress was always black and blue. I never saw gold and white. <laughs> so I don't even remember what I saw. I think I saw like fuck that dress. Yeah, care. that dress divided the nation. Um, <laughs> so bad. That was like the worst summer. <laughs> um, Sean's still rocking that Canadian tuxedo. Um, mm-hmm. I think he rides it till the wheels fall off. And then he comes back as gangsta Sean. So <laughs> I, this era's fine for me. <laughs> I Speaking of eras, Spinner is in his Frosted Tips era, which I think is one or his Hera, as it mm-hmm. were, and I think this a is couple. one of his best Hera's, quite frankly. Do you not like the one where he's got like the good Charlotte, up, the like up-cut? swoopy? So- I actually no, really I like hate that. The swoopy. I really like that hairstyle mm-hmm. on him, and I think I'm in the minority. He's so damn cute with that hair. I love, but that's me. I like you boys know what with hair. That's- I like the like the Leo DiCaprio hair. I that like so- <laughs> I like Manny with the blonde bangs. So like I'm not gonna oh judge. My gosh, we both got really horrible opinions. It's not my favorite by a long shot, but I think she oh. looks cute. It's not that it's like she can't not look cute. But damn, it's such a bad it's such a bad choice. Like for her skin complex no oh my gosh um we yeah the hair is really bad i actually think emma's hair this season though i or this episode though i really i don't think i'm gonna have too many things to say about her hair she's got her hair together she's got yeah, her, hair, she's got her together. hair together she remembers that her mom is a hairdresser mm-hmm. and her mother remembered that she was a hairdresser and shouldn't let her daughter leave the fucking house looking like that yes and she's now rocking little hoops emma's Mm -hmm. now rocking little hoops and it's a little touch of maturity that i think looks very good on her terry looked really cute too terry had bigger hoops they had her in like really shitty sneakers which other which ruined an otherwise really cute outfit although it was entirely too like monochromatic for me Mm -hmm. it was all light blue but she looked cute and her hair and makeup were good yes i th- I like her hair and makeup but they definitely like the layers they put her in where mm-hmm. just like she looks a little bit like just like not 
her outfit's not as cohesive as they dressed her in the past. Right. So I, and I don't know if it's that because she's just not supposed to be standing out. So they don't dress her as well. I don't know but what it is. just at least give her some shoes that work with her outfit. Like even yeah. if they'd just given her like a pair of Keds. But that she's been wearing better. like, like exercise sneakers nurse shoes or like (laughs) they look like like dad white new balances yes they do with the little foam i assume she's got like borrowed her dad's socks too (laughs) it's not okay it's not cute they don't they don't do her right but you know they actually start dressing manny more individualistic this season Mm -hmm. so she's got a cute little green keyhole top in the same scene where they're her and um they're all across the street at the party her keyhole top um, is very cute and i think Mm -hmm. that also i didn't you only see the top of it it's like a little scrunched i think it's probably like a baby doll shirt Mm -hmm. but it's like got that scrunched tube top sort of thing yeah that vibe going on um in the first scene and I appreciate that they're realizing that Manuela Santos is, does not play second fiddle to anybody. <laughs> you need right. to dress her like she's about to have some storylines soon. Okay. <laughs> I really liked Craig's leather jacket. Not, mm-hmm. it I wasn't like it necessarily good. that it looked good. Like it didn't fit him quite right, but it was like, I felt like it was a really, like, they used it to help paint the picture of Craig. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I think it not fitting quite right as part of that. Like, he's a scared little boy in a scary Mm -hmm. world trying to be strong and tough and not scared. And I thought that was really well used. What I did not think was good was Joey, the outfit that he wore to his dealership and then to spike's party Mm -hmm. where his tie was like the same color as his shirt but just like shiny (laughs) it was not good that's not how you do ties joey jeremiah it's not it's definitely not a good look and like i to to bring it back to craig i actually wondered is craig like i know they're the a very similar like shade of flannel shirt but it kind of looks like he's wearing the same flannel shirt the entire episode. He might be. I don't think that's that weird though, because the flannel. No, it's not like a super jacket. weird. It's not super weird. I think it's just like it was tripping me out a little bit, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know if I was alone in thinking that, huh? They really dressed him very dark, like he's got a lot of dark. He's probably the only character that dresses this dark right now. Right. So <laughs> it's not a spoiler. It comes very. Short somebody else takes a turn um to the to the dark wardrobe but also we we did not mention ashley at all in this episode but she has a a little bit of a fashion shift in that she her hair is longer and she is not dressing like she's dressing in darker colors more what is that pattern that damn paisley shit it's she's like she's trendy (laughs) she's trendy but it's not like popular girl trendy anymore no it's it's like like the like almost it's like the you can't afford to shop where the popular girls shop so you shot you got your shirt at jc penny or walmart (laughs) and it's like supposed to look like the popular girl trendy shit but it's not oh i did want to shout out spike's star earrings i thought that they were adorable and i really miss those kind of those wired mm-hmm. earrings i missed them. i had a, i had hearts so well they're probably coming back go check your nearest claire 
Oh my. Damn it. If I'm if I go into Cla Claire's is having a resurgence. I watched a whole video about it, how they died, and then they were like, Oh hey, the two thousands are back. We we're back, baby. Yeah, no, we went <laughs> Dylan and I went to the mall when we were in Indiana and there was a Claire's and I didn't go in it, but I was like, Oh. Because mm -hmm. Claire's is dead here. So I have not a Heather Sinclair hypothesis, but I do have a Heather Sinclair clue because we have yes. a, a spotting of a part of Heather Sinclair, which is the only way we ever see her. I know. Miss Kwan calls her up and she's wearing cargo pants. Mm -hmm. It looks like it looks like <laughs> it it's looks a like boy a dude. walking it does. up to do. Yeah, in the long shot when craig is talking i paused it but he is strategically walking in front of the 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 left upper like the two rows there's two rows of students in the front it's all the students that are relevant to us and in the back it's like the, the filler characters and you can't see like the the left four people because craig is standing there and i believe Heather Sinclair is over there. Wearing her Heath, cargo pants. Heath Sinclair, maybe. Like, I, because... think this, I think this lends credence to my theory from way back in, like, episode two, that Heather yeah. Sinclair is the character in family politics that is filming everybody that has the yes. boy hands. Yes, we definitely did talk about the boy hands, and I, I will support that theory. The twist is it's not Heather Sinclair, it's Heath Sinclair, and yeah. Maybe she's <laughs> just kind of butch, Avis. <laughs> well, you, I mean, first of all, those cargo pants definitely could have been a couple sizes too big. Oversized is a, is a thing, so maybe it's possible. It's possible. Right. Maybe she just, was going for that Gwen Stefani thing of like, which is a look. big baggy pants, and then she's actually Shit. we can't see it, but she's just wearing like a a bralette, bra <laughs> a rasta color fucking bikini top. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I love that look. I love that look so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the clue. I I I hundred percent. Yeah, that's what we've got, got on that. That's what and got. The last few things to do are to hand out a couple of awards and ask the question. So did you have shining stars this episode? Yes. So my shining stars, though I talked a lot of shit about these three people, are um, are, are Joey, Sean, and, and Emma. I think that they all played a crucial role in ultimately saving Craig's life and... Mm -hmm. I do think that there's there's commendations needed for that. Even though I'm gonna talk my shit, and I would throw Angie in there, but she's just a little baby, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> you, she gets a little star on her forehead, but you know. <laughs> yeah, she gets a gold star, <laughs> a participation trophy, as it were. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mm -hmm. agree with that, and. Mm -hmm. I think Joey is both a shining star and a super bummer. Uh, I yeah. think mm -hmm. he misses a lot of very obvious signs. I think he, mm -hmm. not intentionally, but I think he puts Craig in danger. Yes, he 100% does. Not intentionally, but he does. Yeah. And I think I get the way that he responded when he found Craig and Angie. Mm-hmm. I completely understand that. You don't know this kid that well. Like, yeah, maybe he was there every other week when Julia was alive. Mm -hmm. 
but it's been two years and it's been two years where kids really kind of change a lot right and you don't know this kid his dad doesn't want him around and he was maybe about to kidnap your daughter and i get freaking out Mm -hmm. in the moment but like as you reflect on that you need to realize something is very wrong right and i will i 100 percent agree that he is both a shining star and super bummer and honestly that is why i had so much so much shit to talk because of his because of what he had to go through to get to be a shining star but once he he's out of the bullshit that he must go through to get there he definitely redeems himself yeah but he's got a lot of crow to eat in my opinion for just the way that he was prior to Mm. that so i will agree with that super bummer but i think sean is much like toby in the season one premiere wherein absolutely without sean that kid would be done absolutely he definitely you know it's it's a hundred percent like the the first episode of season one just the fact that they banded together and stop like it's a it's the same sort of dynamic like the team assemble and like Mm -hmm. let's go save let's go save craig and it's you know it's definitely similar dynamic and i mean it's kind of fitting that emma gets to be in the calvary this time and assist in Mm -hmm. saving someone like she was saved last season so a hundred percent and um yeah, I'm not going to throw Emma in a super bummer because she really did not bum me out. She just annoyed me. And, you no, know, my she... tolerance for her annoyance is just very high. <laughs> she just... definitely. But I do think that her heart was in the right place. And I think it was mm-hmm. a just cause. I yes. think she just... Emma would be better if she asked adults for help. Oh, totally. Early on in things. Yes. Um, and she's never going to do that. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's just what we got to work with is. here. It is It is what it is. And, you know, you deal with the consequences and the social diseases and whatever the fuck else. Because you can't um, just ask for help. But I get it. I get it. I get being that age and not knowing how to say, like, I'm in over my head. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, for me, the super bummers are i will agree with uh, joey but i also have to throw in because they are not plot devices they are characters who will come back and have to deal and not even have to deal but they they just were shitty um it's got to be spinner and hazel because they're just the the bobsy twins of bullshit they're just so unnecessarily (laughs) mean they are it's one thing that they're like fucking with Paige, who's their friend who is still kind of insufferable at this point Mm mm-hmm and who, like, is always up on her high horse and is showing vulnerability and, like, whatever. Like, okay, fine. Be dicks to Paige. But JT's mm-hmm. not doing anything other than shooting his shot. Right. And, like, they're not even just making fun of him. Like, that was hurtful. Yes. And they bummed me the fuck out. <laughs> they really did. It's just, like, guys, you're better than this. Stop being such big fucking bummers. So, yeah, that those two bitches Super go bummer. on there. Yeah, they're super bummer. Super bummed me out. Do you think we can just get the audio clip of Anya being like super bummer and use that for the sound? For super that would bummers? be lovely. I think that would be awesome. I think that would yeah. be great. Yes. Um, well, yeah, you know, 
now that we've discussed our shining stars and super bummers, it's time to ask the question, uh, did it go there? Does it go there? What do you think? I think it went there. I think oh, it absolutely 100%. went there. We've got <laughs> abuse. We've got kidnapping. We've got attempted suicide. With the train, by the train. train. I don't think we train. see that in the rest of the series. Not to spoil anything, but I'm pretty sure a train doesn't come into play like this. No, again. and that's like, I mean, and like poor Craig is so far gone. You know what I mean? Because like not only mm-hmm. is he thinking of killing himself, but he's like overcome with the impulse to do it in a way that's going to traumatize his right. friend. That's like, right. That's when, yep. It's definitely, and like that is the indication that something, like you said earlier, something else is going on. And I think that they definitely laid the framework with that, you know, playing chicken with the train scene is mm-hmm. that, you know, yes, you're feeling out of control. There's a lot going on in your life. You're being, you know, abused. But that that response, there's something else going on for you to to impulsively like there's an impulse, mm-hmm. lack of impulse control and just lack of like, in, like touch with reality that is forcing him into doing these things that are extreme that would he would have fucked Sean up for. Does Sean need that? Does Sean deserve that? No. <laughs> the no. hell it, it like just episode one uh, and two of this season smacked me in the face yeah and it and and i feel like for me that's how i know it went there if it leaves me breathless if i'm like wait you know and i this show is 20 years old i've seen this episode multiple times and i'm I'm on the edge of my seat like shit when he's packing the bag when his Mm -hmm. dad the first time that i watched through because you know like i kind of passively watched degrassi and then i come back and i Mm -hmm. take my notes and then hopefully yes. bef- i have enough time before like we record to go back through and really really watch and make sure i didn't miss anything and Absolutely. so the first time i watched i didn't realize that like craig's sitting at the table playing with golf balls and the golf clubs on the table mm-hmm. and so when mm. i saw his dad going up the stairs i'm like is that a fucking golf club did he grab yeah. a fucking golf club oh my gosh yeah. and because i hadn't been you know i'd been like playing angry birds or something mm-hmm. at first and yeah. missed him <laughs> <I took you. laughs> like with the club in the kitchen you yeah. know you know sometimes you just have to passively watch the shows that you've watched oh 8, yeah 100 percent. and i definitely get that i think that's it's just like I mean, this question gets easier and easier to answer, I think, for me. It's it's because we're just getting so much. Like, I'm so excited for this season. It it's a definitely, season. it's a it's a really good season. There's a lot that happens. There's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I really just think that <laughs> I don't know how many episodes aren't going to go there. Not even to be. <laughs> I mean, and there's maybe a handful. Involved, and <laughs> there's a handful. Fine. It's like because the filler, if every, yeah. If every, like... But, like, even reading, like, some of the blurbs for this season, I'm like, oh, shit, that does happen this season. Damn, right. that does no, happen this season. Crazy oh, my gosh. Is, like, I would have been, like, a freshman when season two was airing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I wasn't dealing with any of this shit. <laughs> You're like, can't relate. <laughs> like... <laughs> Not, like, the heavy-hitting shit, you know what I mean? And so, like, 
I think it's good that not every episode was like that because how stressful would that have been to just sit down and watch Degrassi and every week somebody's like getting beaten by their dad by their dad sexually assaulted or yeah so stabbed there's not that that happens to anybody not that that happens at all um yeah it's definitely it there i just think you know it the the tone that this these two episodes set is very fitting for this season because they're like all right half this cast is in ninth grade now we're gonna up the ante like y'all are getting some of the (laughs) y'all are getting some of the meat and potatoes um so it definitely it's gonna it's gonna keep going there but it's gonna uh, keep going there, and sometimes it's gonna make a pit stop at like Grandpa's Cheese Barn, and that's fine because you gotta get out of the car sometimes and stretch your legs at Grandpa's Cheese Barn. I mean, I feel like we should continue to use the analogy of you know once we get to the episodes where they are stretch your legs episodes, like we fit the part of the road trip where we're making a pit stop and we're gonna stretch our legs because yeah, you know, <laughs> stop at Waldrug or the world's largest statue of a cow or whatever's on the way to your destination and just. Take a minute. Oh my goodness. Well, well, on that note, <laughs> on that note, let's put this baby to bed. Thank you for listening to your mom's podcast. Next week, we'll be talking about Girls Just Want to Have Fun, in which Emma has no fun, and Karma Chameleon, where Ashley enters her villain era. Thank you for listening to another episode of your mom's podcast. This episode of your mom's podcast was made possible in part by Root Beer the Emma Nelson Babysitting Agency, and support from listeners like you. If you'd like to further support our show, you can follow our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at YMPadcast and TikTok at Your Mom's Padcast. You can also visit our website at www.padcast.com. Your Mom's Padcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel so inclined, subscriptions and reviews are another great way to support the show. If you'd like to support us financially, you can also subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash your mom's podcast. And remember, that's podcast. P-A-H-D-C-A-S-T. Thank you.